Welcome into episode two of QB1 Building the Modern Quarterback. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Today, we are very excited to be joined by Buffalo Bills area scout AJ Highsmith, someone I've known for quite some time in this industry. He's been with the San Francisco 49ers, been with the Buffalo Bills, so he knows a little bit about evaluating the quarterback position. He also he also played some quarterback back in the day, which we'll probably get into. But before we get AJ on, I want to pay the bills and we have to start with our presenting sponsor bet mgm enjoy your favorite sports like never before at bet mgm sign up using bonus code miller your first wager is risk-free up to one thousand dollars bet mgm offers parlay specials and boosted odds every day download the bet mgm app today or go to betmgm.com and enter bonus code miller place your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars now you're winning with the king of sports books, visit betmgym.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Indiana, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. Only new customer offer. All promos are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Thank you guys for coming in. If you're listening, hang out with us in the Colin app. You're getting this on Monday afternoon. If you're joining us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you're getting a bit of a like a raw version of the podcast without a lot of frills. There's not the, you know, super techno intro music. We'll probably get there eventually. But for now, really encourage everyone to download the free Colin app. It's C-A-L-L-I-N, where you can hang out with us live as we record the show. You can interact with us after the show. I think it's a more fun experience. Now, if you missed episode one, this isn't like a, a serial. You don't have to go back and listen to episode one to understand what we're doing. But this docu podcast basically covers the evolution of the quarterback position. In episode one, I went through really my scouting journey. And even before scouting, just as a college football fan, observing the changes in the game from Drew Bledsoe to what we talked about, the 1999 draft with Donovan McNabb to Michael Vick to what we have now with mobile quarterbacks really dominating the landscape. As I sat down to make a guest list for this podcast, one of the first people I wanted to talk to was A.J. Highsmith because he has been in San Francisco where we talked so much about Colin Kaepernick and, and the read option, how much that changed the game. He is now in Buffalo where they have Josh Allen who is one of the NFL's best quarterbacks and someone who, while scouting the Southwest area of this country, gets to see a lot of diversity at the quarterback position in Texas, Oklahoma, those areas, the different types of quarterbacks. So I'm excited to talk to AJ about not only his path to where he is now as a, an area scout for the Bills, but just the dynamics that he sees at the quarterback position, the different kind of philosophies that are out there. So let's bring AJ in. And for you guys listening, interacting live on Colin, should be some time today for me to hang out after and answer some questions. If you want to hang out, uh, probably 30 minutes in into this, we'll be able to do some Q&A. But let's bring AJ in, who, uh, again, someone I, I've respected for a long time. We, we've had him on previous podcasts that I was a part of, the Stick to Football podcast, the Bleacher Report. Uh, two guys growing a podcast that we we did in the meantime. And now, of course, had to get AJ on here as well. So AJ, welcome to QB1, man. Uh, appreciate you so much for for hopping on here. Man, no problem. It's always good to meet with my guy. And I appreciate you for you know sending the invite and having me on. Right. So I, I don't want to get your resume wrong. I, I've known you since you were back in San Francisco, I think maybe just starting out. But you, you were with the Niners for, I think, five seasons and then moved to Buffalo. 
Uh, you were a DB yep. at the University of Miami. Your dad, Alonzo Highsmith, is a legend in the scouting uh, universe, basically. I think those are the bullet points, right? Yeah, those are definitely uh, – I played at Miami and I was in San Fran, like you said, for five years, and I've been in Buffalo. This is my third year now. So I've got to – you know, I've been around football my entire life, and I've gotten to see a lot of different perspectives just from, you know, learning things from my dad, things he's shown me. Um, and then all the way up to, you know, where I'm at now and watching, you know, like our quarterback evolve and watching our draft process and how we do things now on my second team. It's been good to really see a lot of different perspectives, you know, in the, in the game of football. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to go back too too far in time, but I can imagine you as a young man listening to your dad who was in uh, Green Bay for a, a good part of his career, yep. where if you're, if you mm-hmm. know, like if you followed the draft and scouting for a long time, Green Bay is like this mythological front office when ron wolf was there the people who were working yeah. under ron your dad being one of them and the, the really the you see coaching trees the scouting tree that ron wolf built there is incredible so how much of your education when it comes to scouting do you feel like you had before you started working in the nfl um, yeah, I think I think I had a lot of it. And I, I, a lot of it, I honestly didn't even realize I had learned over the years. I think it was just things that, you know, he showed me when he realized, I, you know, that I love the game and I'd always have I, and I, I always kind of asked him questions. And so I was very curious as a kid just about different things with football. Like I remember the first time the first big time player I knew um, as a kid was LaDainian Tomlinson. And that was probably, I was, I think I was, he came out in 2000. So I was probably nine, eight, nine years old going into like leading up to his senior year. Um, and I would just ask him questions like, oh, like who's the best player in your area? Who's the best guy you've seen? Who do you want the most? And so he started telling me all these things. And that was kind of the first time I had learned about scouting. Um, and I learned about the combine and what that was and what the testing was and what a pro day was. And so I think the year after the following year, he took me to a pro day. So you can just imagine what pro days look like. And I was that little kid in the background like, <laughs> running around, throwing the ball up to myself, throwing it to whoever, whoever would throw me a pass, I would catch it. Um, and so I think that a lot of those things I learned and a lot of honestly, a lot of things now that I look back, they were conversations and questions he'd answered. And he never sat me down and handed me the wrong little book and said, this is the Packer way. You, you want to be a scout, read this. But I think he showed me the right way that the game was to be played and the kind of things you look for that. You know, to this day, I mean, they stand the test of time. There were things that, you know, they were over 20 years ago, and a lot of those things are still very relevant today. Oh, no, you're right. I'm glad you mentioned that because in the first episode, I talked about Bill Walsh and how growing up a Niners fan, like people would ask me, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be Bill Walsh. And they'd be like, who the hell is that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, you can be a teacher or a doctor or a farmer. Like, those are your options. But, uh, the Packer way is one of those books that I tell people to read all the time. Like I've, I've gifted it to people as like, you know, a a Christmas Mm -hmm. gift or a birthday present. If you want to work in scouting or team building, like it is, it is the Bible basically for, I think the modern NFL and you got to like live that second hand. So it's, I would say we've established your resume is pretty damn good, right? (laughs) Like uh, being in the NFL for eight years as a scout, learning all the things you did before then. But I want to go back to your time in San Francisco because something that we talked a lot about episode one was how much Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton really changed the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I I recalled being at the 2013 combine, which was probably like the year before you got into the league and media guys asking, 
Landry Jones and, you know, hey, could you run the read option? And he's just like, come on, guys, like, look at me. I'm not running the read option. But, <laughs> right. but you were really there firsthand to watch the the takeover uh, of Kaepernick yeah. and, and how much the game started to change then. Yeah, I think I had a very interesting perspective because, honestly, I was there. I was honestly there for the back end. So at my first year in San Fran was Harbaugh's last year, and Cap was with us for – Two years, he was there with us, I guess three years, because he was there the end of the Harbaugh run. Then we had Tom Sula for a year, and then Chip Kelly was the last coach that he had played for. Um, and so I got to see, you know, and I, honestly, I think the thing that – the reason I highlight that I was there for the end of it is because I think I got to see everything that made it great. But then I also saw the downside of if you don't build it the right way or if you don't give the guys the right supporting cast or the right scheme, like it's not always the best thing to run. So – I mean, they were coming off of three NFC championship runs, you know, prior to me being there. And then my first year there, we went eight and eight. And you know how it is in football. Like if you're expected to go to the Super Bowl and you go eight and eight, it's like the whole world is upside down. And so um, I think I learned a lot about what that offense can be. And I got to see a lot of film and how they were able to execute it. And then I think on the other end of it, like I said, I think that, you know, I got to see how you can make that work or what it, what it can be if you don't build it right. Because we we ended up having a lot of issues with it, you know, during those years where, I mean, we went 5-11, and 2-14. And, and so there we had some struggles, you know, in the midst of all the greatness that they had achieved with that offense. Looking at it now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you've, you've interviewed with me enough that you know it's going to get random at times. Do you ever feel like mm-hmm. you were there for two to three years with Cap? Do you ever feel like Josh Allen is like, Obviously, Josh is much bigger, and I think he has a little better control of his arm. But do you ever feel like Josh is the version of like someone figuring mm-hmm. it out? Like this is how you develop and build a team around a rare athlete at quarterback instead of you know like your you know you know traditional type pocket passer. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that Josh has shown. I think the one thing that Josh has shown the most, or what I learned the most from his entire situation is that when you have a guy who's physically gifted and he has the tools that you look for, I think if you're patient and he's got the right mentality, I think they'll always be able to improve. Um, and I mean, I think this, you know, it used to be a joke at how inefficient Josh was, you know, throwing the ball at how he, he wasn't accurate and all these things he couldn't do, but he was always very talented. Um, he always had the right type of makeup. He's always been intelligent. And I think the one thing that you really can't see um, just watching strictly on tape is he can process really well. So I think with those things, his floor is really high, even when the games are up. I mean, he still has, you know, up and down games now. Um, but I think that when you build it the right way around him and you're patient, I think you always have a chance for those guys to improve. Is that kind of where your philosophy is at in terms of how, you know, if if a team were to call you tomorrow and be like, hey, we want you to be our uh, general manager. Is, is that kind of your philosophy now mm-hmm. is to... I feel like it's traits versus scheme at this point, you know, and within yeah. your own division, you can look at new England and New York and what they mm-hmm. did. The Jets said, we want traits. We're taking Zach Wilson, new England said, Hey, we're comfortable with our scheme. We like Mac Jones in that scheme. We're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. How do you look at this position where this is a, I, I feel like, I don't know how it is in your guys scouting room, but all the scouts I talked to around the league, like this is a, a big conversation of, what what do you look for? Do you look for the jaw dropping traits and and maybe someone who's right. not very pro ready, or do you um, go pro ready? Th- yeah, I think that I think that I think honestly, I think it's a matter of preference. And I tell people that there is no right answer. I think that you can win with both ways, but I think you have to be honest about what it is that you want, 
And you have to be honest about the quarterbacks that you have or you're, you're picking and you have to identify what he is and then build around him in a way that's going to make him successful. The problem is, I think, when you get, you know, you get a guy like Josh Allen his rookie year. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I learned from there, just talking to guys about how that year went is that, you know, like the, the O-line was up and down. He, was there, he didn't have a great supporting cast at wideout. So there were things that he wasn't able to show. Um, and I don't think that changed. The, and I think they were – I give them a lot of credit. And I say them because I wasn't there the, his rookie year. Um, and they never – it was never a quarterback battle. He never got pulled from a game. He never got benched or ridiculed. You know, they were just saying, this is our guy. We're going to stick with him. And I think that does a lot for the quarterback in there, mentally. And I think that's, you know, obviously the most important part of the position is the psyche of the player. And I think that I think there's a balance. Obviously, it's preference, and I'm a sucker for the guy with the big arm because I tried to play quarterback and I didn't have that. So of course, you always want what you couldn't have. And but I mean, if you're looking at it, I mean, the blueprint is Tom Brady, and the guy with the most passing yards after him is Drew Brees. So I mean, you can look at those two alone and say, well, arm strength isn't everything. I think you need enough ability physically. Um, but I think the position is about so much more, you know, from the neck up and poise and leadership and processing. And those things you don't always get to see. Um, a lot of times it, you don't even know if they have it at the college level because they don't have to do it. And so I think it's really important that position in particular, you know, sitting down with those guys, understanding what they can be or what they can do for you. And then, like I said, building it around them. But I do think there's a lot of self-evaluation that has to go into that because you have to be honest about what you have and what you can give them in order to make them a better player. I I think that that's a great answer. And something I I talked about last week was intuition and intelligence are almost Mm -hmm. impossible to scout on Saturdays, but they're so huge to guys actually playing the position and doing well, which leads me into my next question. How much stock do you put into the the pre-draft process, you know, the senior bowl, the shrine game, the combine pro days. I, I had a, a coach tell me once, I, I think I asked probably this time of year, I was like, who's your top quarterback? And he was like, doesn't matter. We scout quarterbacks from January mm-hmm. to April. And I was like, oh, right. okay. Like that, right. it does make sense to me. Yeah. You don't have the roller coaster, yeah. right? So yeah. how much stock do you put into that kind of January to, to April window? Um, it's a it's a very important part. I think I think the reason why it's so important is because processing is arguably, if not the most important trait at that position. And January to April is the only time you get to get your hands on those guys and do that. So you can get you know you can get information from a school or you can watch a guy on film and you can guess kind of what he's doing, but you really don't know what they're asking him to do and what he's capable of until you get you sit with him. And the coordinators have it even better. Like when we, we bring these guys in, when you get to the very end of those, you know, those 30 visits and you get to spend 24 hours with a guy, you can give him an entire install and then see how he processes that information, how he interacts with people in your building. So I think, and I think at that position in particular, it really matters because if you're scouting a defensive end or a defensive tackle or a running back, if he's not outgoing in the building, if he doesn't have a personality, honestly, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, when it's your quarterback, a lot of times you want that guy to be the face of your franchise. And that's what he's going to be, especially if he's a good player. And so it's really important to understand the type of person that he is, because what he does away from the building matters or who he is outside the lines. And so I think that's part of it, why people say that. But also, I think that, you know, a very overgeneralized statement I kind of joke with my buddies about. I'm like, yeah, you can say all these things about, you know, the games don't matter or the college scheme doesn't matter. But there aren't many guys when you just take a step back and look at it, just just strictly talking as a football fan, not even as a scout, throw out the buzzwords, throw out the stats. 
Like, there aren't many guys who are really good players at the NFL level who weren't good players in college. Yes. Um, and so, like, that was the thing that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'll be honest and tell you, I was low on Joe Burrow the first time I saw him because I walked by in practice and I saw this thin-built guy with an average arm, and I was just like, ah, I mean, whatever. I hear about him, but we'll see. And, you know, he just kept checking boxes every single week from August all the way to May um, to the draft. And so um, I think, but when you look back at, you know, obviously like nobody knew what Tom Brady was going to be, but the one thing nobody ever said was when he got in the game, he wasn't a good player. Now you can say he didn't start or he played, whether he rotated or he didn't have great production or he wasn't a great athlete. But I think when you go look at it, just like, I mean, even for his, his career now hasn't ended the way he wanted, but Cam Newton played at an MVP level. Every team he ever played on was the best team at his level. He went to Blinn for one year. They won a national championship. He shows up at Auburn in August. They win a national championship. He shows up in the NFL. He throws for 400 yards his first game. Now, you can poke holes in his game and say he's not good at this, he's not good at that. But the truth is he's just a good football player. And I think that kind of goes for a lot of those guys. Um, You can look at Mac Jones. I mean, people will say Alabama was loaded, this, that, and the other. It's like, well, they've had quarterbacks that weren't good when they had good receivers too. Um, and so I think that that's kind of like something we overlook as scouts, I think, because we get so enamored with traits and this process and all these reports and different things. But sometimes you have to take a step back and say, is he a good football player? And if it's no, then a lot of times they'll struggle in the NFL. I swear to you, I this is like I self scout myself, as you know, and, and like everyone should. Right. I made a sticky note this mm-hmm. summer and I put it on. There's a speaker in between my two monitors and it literally says. Is he good on Saturday? Because I think one area that I've like where I've gotten tunnel vision and missed right. on players is what you just said. You fall in love with you fall in love mm-hmm. with the you know intangibles, and instead of just like mm-hmm. how good was the guy every Saturday from Labor Day to Christmas, basically. And so for me, like right. I've missed on guys like I was too low on Deshaun Watson. I had I had Mitch Trubisky as the top right. quarterback in that class, as a lot of people did, but it was the stuff you heard about. Oh, he's so smart. He's so accurate. He's only going to get better. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. who is the best quarterback in the country right. for two years? You know, Lamar Jackson, same way, right. like two mm-hmm. years, my man tore everyone up and he somehow falls to the 32nd pick. So it, that is something that right. I'm like very hard on myself about right now is let's not fall in love with the, the traits or the, you know, perceived upside. Like, let's just watch guys play, especially at quarterback. Like, right. Let's just watch guys play. And see who's right. good, but I I do want to have some fun with some of these questions. Who is who has the the biggest quarterback okay. grade you've ever given someone? Um, this is people are going to think I'm lying, but I have friends that work in that building that can tell you. But it was Josh Allen. No joke. Well, that helps. And I say it with pride <laughs> because I watched him throw three interceptions, and I gave him a high first round grade. And I was it was against Nebraska. I don't know what year that was, but he threw three interceptions, and I was like, well. One went off the receiver's face mask. He forced one ball, and the other one was kind of a you know fifty fifty chance. But like I thought, he was awesome. Like, and to the point where we laugh, we still joke about it because his rookie year. Honestly, I thought I was wrong. I was watching him. I was like, ooh, damn! I have to go back to the drawing board. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then you know, slowly but surely, by the end of that second year, I was like, people, you know, they would taste me. Like, hey, your boy's looking a lot better. And I was like, I see. And by this time, I was I was with the team. And so that was, um, but no, he was, he's definitely one of my favorite guys. I haven't, I got to talk to him in training camp this past year because we were up there for the first time since COVID. 
Um, so I kind of had a fanboy moment and kind of sat and talked with him for 20 minutes. But he was it was it was awesome, man, kind of seeing that and seeing where his career has gone from start to where he is today. Well, I mean, I know you remember how high I was on him. Like, I love this dude. Oh, yeah. I tried to get yeah, him to come out high. after his sophomore year. <laughs> and, yeah, and he was like, were, no. I remember, when he, <laughs> I remember seeing your tweet because I, was, I wasn't I was doing pro side at the time. And so I was just watching the senior bowl from afar and scanning Twitter. And so we're sitting there and I remember he weighed in, I think the second day or the later part, cause he was with the other group and you were just like, well, it's over Josh Allen one way in. And it was like, whatever, six, five, two forty, ten and a half hands. Yeah. And all that. You were, everybody <laughs> just looked the same way. Like, Oh shit. Yeah. He, and it, yeah, you knew, I mean, and that was a crazy senior bowl cause Baker was there as well. And mm-hmm. like, if you've never seen Baker Mayfield in practice, like you've missed something because it's, it's all energy and like yeah. the players rally around him. And Josh is kind of a quieter guy. And and so you don't, he's a great mm-hmm. leader, but you don't get the like rah, rah, yeah. you know, bouncing all over the place. No, he comes, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think he comes in as like one of the guys that as the play goes, he kind of emerges and you see him kind of like, he's better in the 11 on 11 when he can run, sneak the ball on fourth down and run into people and all that. So he, he kind of builds up. <laughs> he's like a, he's a roller coaster, man. But he builds up and he gets going. So on the other side of that, we all have ours, but who is your biggest miss at quarterback? Biggest miss at quarterback. Um, who did I really miss? Jacob Eason was one. Mm. Um, I was high on his talent kind of coming out. I guess by the end of the process, everybody kind of had concerns, but I liked him a lot. Um, who else? You know what? Carson Wentz, maybe, because I really liked him. Um, and it was his, his career is kind of the opposite of Josh. Whereas like rookie year, he was good. Second year he was going to, I thought he was on pace to win the MVP looked like a pro bowl player. And then since that injury, he's kind of been downhill since. And now he's coming back this year. So I'm, I'm glad to see he's doing a good job, you know, this year in Indy. Um, but he was one where I had to, you know, take a lot of steps back and look at and see, is it the system? Is it him? Is it what it's around him? And I still don't know if there's a there's an answer you can really pinpoint, but he was one I think I had to do a lot of studying on as well. That's a good one. And I think he falls into that conversation we were having earlier where his traits are phenomenal, but he was also – he was pretty mm-hmm. scheme-ready. They ran a ton of play action at North Dakota State. Yeah. He was under center. He was like a three-year starter. Mm-hmm. So he – he does check a lot of the boxes and I, I still get shit to this day because people yeah. look back and say, I, can't, I think it might've been Josh where like Carson was my player comp for him. People are like that's come on. That's not very good. And it's like, we well, have to remember yeah. at the time that looked like a really, really good player. Right. That was a, it was really it was a big pick, compliment yeah. to say that someone could be like Carson Wentz. Obviously since then it's, it's right. been a little bit of a roller coaster uh, throughout your time, whether it was San Francisco or in Buffalo, Who's you know? There's the old saying like you jumped on the table for a player. It, it essentially means a player that you really liked, uh, whether that you know being your your final scouting meetings or whatever that might be. But is is there a guy that you've kind of you feel like you've attached your name to, and that's one of your guys? Um, in the as far as someone that I scouted and went in and saw myself, or just that I was a fan of the way that they played. You know, I'll go either way on that one. Okay. Um. So the one guy I really loved when he was coming out. Um, honestly, he it's awful because he scored five touchdowns against us. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I was a huge fan of his. Um, mm. He he wasn't my area, but that was the year. And if you remember, that was the year we ended up not using. We traded our pick, and so we ended up with Diggs. So it was fine. Like I'm, I love Diggs, and I think that was a great trade for us. Um, but if, I think if we were picking that year, 
that would have been someone I really wanted. Cause I think we really needed a back that year. And what he's turned into is awesome, especially to think that he could have been, you know, the running back behind Josh Allen. He was one that I really liked. Um, and then, you know, on the pro side, I think like when I was in San Fran, a lot of times, you know, you don't get to get all the the big splash free agency guys. We used to always take pride in trying to find guys that, you know, were, were kind of overlooked in the league and try to find those guys where we could find more value than other people. Um, and trading for a guy like Lakin Tomlinson at the time was a really like was a re- we thought was a really good value pick. And, you know, we filled out our offensive line with guys like Mike Person, who ended up, you know, starting for them during that Super Bowl run. So I think those are some of the guys um, that I really took pride in. Um, the, the unfortunate part with the college process is a lot of times, like the, the good guys in your area, the people that you really want, a lot of times you may not have a chance to pick them. So, like, we have guys that I want to pound the table for, you know, from Oklahoma or, you know, like I love Kenneth Murray coming out. And I think everybody did when they watched him. Um, but he went – you know, whatever it was, we traded our pick, so we didn't have a first-round pick. So it was like, well, I mean, I got my report, and I said he was a great player, but we really don't have a chance to pick him um, <laughs> just because of the way the draft goes. And sometimes guys go higher than you think, and sometimes they're available later. But I definitely think those are some of the guys that stood out um, to me just kind of watching I wish we had a chance to get. It's funny when you talk to people who, like, scout for a living like yourself because you'll ask, like, who's your guy or, or someone you loved. You always get, like, a Lincoln Tomlinson trade or, or a free agent signing, you know? And you ask, like, yeah. guys like me in the media, we're always like, mm-hmm. oh, here was the top 10 pick I loved, you know? And so it's, like, much easier. Like, right. oh, I loved Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, everyone did. He was right. the first pick in the draft. Right. Uh, not a big surprise. Uh, moving away from quarterback mm-hmm. talk for a little bit, I know a lot of people – listen to this podcast or follow me on Twitter because they want to work in scouting someday. It's a question I've asked you a couple of times before, but mm-hmm. as kind of the landscape around the league changes, what is your advice for somebody who wants to do what you do for a living? Um, I think as far as, you know, and I can, I guess I can answer you two parts as far as getting into the industry. I think it's all about networking and building relationships. I think that everyone's path into the NFL is different. Um, I have, you know, I was fortunate enough because of a lot of the connections I met through my dad. Um, I was able to, you know, get in contact with scouts. And so when I was done playing, I didn't play in the NFL. And so I had a couple of trials or deciding if I wanted to kind of keep working out. And I just decided that I wanted to take a chance and do a scouting assistant position, which is like a full year internship, essentially. And so I did that. But I ended up doing it twice just to, you know, learn. That was my first job ever. So I never had worked in an office before. And so I did it twice just to kind of get more experience. I liked the process that we had, and I felt like the person I was working under, I learned a lot from. And so I did that two years, you know, before I had ended up getting, getting promoted to the pro side. Um, but we have guys who come, we've had guys come through training camp internships. We've had people, you know, former players come back and they have, they have a network either through their agent or through the teams they played for. Um, there's tons of different ways to get in. I think you just have to be persistent and you have to be a good person. I think you have to be willing to, you know, send resumes, meet people, network, do whatever you can as far as getting in front of people. And then, you know, when you, when you get an opportunity, I think you just have to, if you're a genuine, you're a good person. I think that that's kind of where they'll, you know, let you come on or they'll want you to be around because you have to bring something to the table. Yeah. And that's, that's what it seems like. I know I've, I've talked to other scouts or general managers and even been like, Hey, I, you know, I have a guy uh, that I, you know, think would do a great job at this. You know, he's not out there just trying to get retweets. He actually, he loves grinding and, and scouting. What's the next step? And, right. and you nailed it as far as like what, it seems like there's almost a consensus right now of if you're in college, 
go try to, to, you know, volunteer or intern with your team. If you're out of college, man, it's, uh, it seems like it's getting tougher. If you, if you don't get a foot in the door while you're in college, it seems like it's getting a little bit harder to do. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely hard to just get off the couch and find, you know, an NFL office and get your resume to the front of the line and get in contact, you know, and have a, a real conversation with the people that make those decisions. But um, it's definitely a long process. And I think that going through the college route is definitely, I won't say it's easier, but it's, there's much more, um, like there's more connections you can make. There's more, you can build your resume that way. It's hard to do it only looking for NFL experience. Absolutely. Uh, AJ, last question before I let you get out of here. Thank you for 30 minutes with an NFL area scout during the season. It's amazing. So I appreciate that. If you had to predict one thing that that you might see change with the the way the quarterback positions played, whether that's in college or the NFL over the next five years, uh, what could you see being that change? Um, I think, honestly, I think more people are going to trend. They're going to, I mean, this is just my personal bias, I guess, kicking in. Um, I think that people are going to try to emulate what New England has done with Mac Jones. Um, I think that's what the quarterback position used to be, like going back in the, I mean, the 80s, 90s. Like quarterbacks weren't always the, the first five picks in the draft. Like people used to get quarterbacks, you know, in the third round, in the second round. And it was, I guess they didn't put as much emphasis on it, so guys would fall in the draft. But I just, And I say that what, what New England is doing as far as how about we build our team around this rookie and give him a chance to be successful as opposed to having a guy come in and try to be the savior. Um, Because I think that just puts so much pressure on guys. And there's, I mean, there may be a guy every, you know, three or four or five years that you can just come in day one and throw him to the fire. And he ends up, you know, coming out better and saving your franchise. But I think that over time, the teams that, you know, consistently compete are the ones that, you know, they build the team around the quarterback, even if he's not the most important piece. Um, cause I think you, you know, you've been able to see that that can still work. Um, it's hard to just throw a guy out there, especially at 21, 22, 23 years old and ask him to command the entire organization by himself. So I think, um, a lot of people are going to watch closely what, how New England has had so much success and go back and look at their notes on Mac Jones. I know I have to, cause he wasn't my first quarterback on the thing. I'm not saying he's the best one, but he's definitely playing the best right now. Um, and so I think that there's a lot to, you know, a lot to learn from their situation and how they've handled it so far. Yeah. And it's, it's the, it goes back to that question of, do you build the team first or do you draft the quarterback to build a team? Right. It's Jacksonville, New York jets. They're drafting quarterbacks, San Francisco, new England They're They mm-hmm. have the team and they, they found a guy they feel like can, can be the long-term answer there. So it's, it's fascinating, right. man. And Good luck to you guys the rest of the way. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how this feels like the craziest NFL year ever. Where every time I think a team is good, they lose the next week. So I just, I just, I just had a, I just had a conversation. I told somebody like the AFC is wide open. There's a new favorite in the AFC every week. So hopefully we're the yep. favorite at the right time. We can get it going and get hot late in the year. Yeah, that seems to be what it takes. It's everyone's trying to be Tampa Bay from last year, where just right. get hot at the right time, get hot and healthy at the right time. Oh yeah, you get hot, you get, you get hot in January, you'll be okay. Absolutely. Thank you again for your time, AJ. Appreciate you as always, and uh, sure, I'm sure I'll run into you in Mobile this year. No problem, bro. Good to see you. I'll, t- I'll see you soon. Thank you, and thank you to everybody who's hung out and listened. AJ Highsmith from the Buffalo Bills again, one of the best in the one of the best in the game, one of the smartest guys that I get a chance to interact with. That's it for episode two. 
Uh, I'll be in here tomorrow on the Colin app doing an AMA to talk about episode one and episode two. Uh, be on the lookout. Episode three coming a little bit later this week. Remember, as always, you can get it. The episode's live using the Colin app. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, BetMGM. Remember, use code Miller to get a nice little special when you place your first bet. That's it. We'll be back soon. Thanks, guys.